The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Isaiah chapter 9 tonight, and verse number 6, just one verse, and I want you to read it out loud with me, so I hope that whether you have a a Bible tonight or you have a a digital copy of the Bible somewhere, um, let me encourage you to look at this uh, with me tonight. Would you read it out loud with me? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, His name shall be called Wonderful, sorry, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Notice the phrase that is repeated twice in the text, unto us. And um, the same idea is repeated in the New Testament references of his birth in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter number 2. And I think about, um, yes, this is prophetic concerning Jesus being the Messiah coming Um, for Israel and being their Messiah. But I'm thankful that the Bible is also unto us, that the Scriptures are unto us, not that we're claiming the promises that God gives to the Jews, but we are looking at that and understanding that Jesus was sent not just as a Messiah to Israel, but a Messiah to the world, a Savior to the whole world. And um, for unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I think of that, that uh, proclamation um, using that same phrase from the prophecy uh, as the angels were proclaiming that this prophecy was fulfilled in that day and that it was unto us that it was done. I think about when I think about us, when I think about myself, uh, I can, can first think about what I deserve to receive. We definitely didn't deserve to receive Jesus. We definitely didn't deserve this gift of God through Christ our Lord that was coming in the form of the incarnate God, this baby that was born, um, this immaculate conception through the Virgin Mary uh, that we see um, that which was in her womb, the Bible says, was of the Holy Spirit of God. And God's providence and God's sovereignty through all of these things and even uh, what God did in, in protecting Mary and Joseph. We can see uh, the enemy who's con- uh, constantly through uh, the Old Testament trying to stop the coming of the Messiah by attacking the seed, attacking the people of God, um, desiring to, to even snuff out the day that Jesus was born by um, moving on the king to um, do what Pharaoh did and, and uh, cause those uh, children to be slain and how God protected them by sending them to the place that they were sent. And all of that was done so that God could send his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, the Bible tells us. And so what we deserve, the Bible is pretty clear, because of our sinfulness, we do not deserve God's mercy, but we in turn got his grace. And when I think of that, unto us. I'm thinking about what God has done by his grace in my life. And still God gave his son for us. And that's grace, isn't it? And we could think about God's grace tonight and we could meditate on that. And that could be enough um, for us to be encouraged. I hope that you 
understand that you are a recipient of the grace of God. That you've, uh, I hope that you've, by faith, believed on, and God's grace has transformed your life. And we know that it's the grace of God that keeps us walking humbly with God, that it keeps us acknowledging um, what we deserve, and it keeps our, our eyes on um, just God's plan in our lives as all of these things that we go through um, are just God's grace. And um, while much of what happened at the birth of Jesus seemed like inconveniences, difficulties, and struggles, they were all part of the grace of God. And so while we go through difficulties and struggles in our lives, can we remember that God sent his son into the world, that the world through him might be saved, and God's grace. Not only do we see his grace in the passage, but Isaiah calls this baby a child, a son. And the word child speaks of his humanity, and the word son speaks of his deity, because Jesus Christ is literally the God-man. So not only see grace here in the passage, but we see glory here in the passage. And some people believe that the greatest miracle was the crucifixion, others the resurrection, and some point to his healings and the feeding of the multitudes with the loaves and the fishes and the transfiguration and the other miracles as being his greatest. And I would submit that while all of these are indeed great manifestations of God's divine power, his greatest miracle is the incarnation, the day God became a man and remained God. Think about that. The day God became a man and still remained God. Um, he became that God-man. What a miracle. Something that we still grasp at to understand. How in the world was this even possible that God could become a man? That he could humble himself, take on the form of a servant, be made in the likeness of men. That he could endure all of the things that we endure in our lives. That he could uh, be touched with all of those feelings and infirmities and difficulties, he could be tempted um, without sin, the Bible says. Thank God for that. And uh, fully God, fully man. And as the God-man, Jesus was unique in his birth. He was unique in his life. He was unique in his death. And he was unique in his resurrection. And there's never been anybody like Jesus, nor will there ever be anyone like Jesus. And so Jesus, we can see his glory here as the Bible talks about this child that would be born, that a human being would be born. But what's significant about this is that he is the son that would be given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a miracle, the incarnation of Christ. Uh, John spoke of this as, a great mystery. God, uh, John spoke of this as something um, that was difficult at first for them to perceive and understand. But how many different things did God do to make sure that the world knew that Jesus had come? And uh, it was declared uh, to them. And we see uh, his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see his grace and we see his glory and then thirdly tonight, we see his greatness. So Isaiah tells us that the child will have a name. He says a name, but then he goes on to list a lot of names, doesn't he? And um, I have many names, I'm sure, as do you, and Jesus has many more. The Bible gives him at least 256 names. 
Why so many? One could never be, one name could never be sufficient to declare all that he is. You think about these description names that are given. And every time you examine Jesus, every time you look at Jesus, every time you study about him in the scripture, you see a new facet of his character and of his glory and of his faithfulness. And when we get to heaven, he'll reveal yet another name for himself, and that will be unique to our relationship with him. Let's, let's consider these names just, just briefly tonight, and we'll be done. But he says that his name shall be called Wonderful. That word means supernatural, secret, and extraordinary. And this name points out to the truth that there's nothing common about Jesus. Some people would refer to Jesus as, as just a man, as just common, but his name says otherwise. He is the miracle man. He's so far beyond our level of comprehension that we could never figure him out, yet he can be known simply by a child. Um, and the complication, he's, he is wonderful in his words, he's wonderful in his work, he's wonderful in his ways, and uh, this is the description prophetically that Isaiah gives uh, from the Holy Spirit of God. Notice he says, counselor. This word means to advise and to counsel and to purpose and devise a plan. And it refers to his role as the leader and guiding force of our lives, the one who steps onto the scene, but not in a, not in a uh, random way, but with a purpose and a plan, a plan that was set in motion before we even existed, the Bible tells us. And what a wonderful reminder that Jesus is a grand counselor in the sense of what he came purposefully. He came with a plan. He came as he was sent by God. And notice we see even in the words of Jesus as he um, struggles to explain, if you would, uh, strug- people struggled rather to understand what Jesus meant. But he always was about the Father's business. He was always doing the will of God. He was always on plan and thankful for that as we understand God's divine plan in uh, redeeming us. And then uh, Isaiah says he's the mighty God. The word literally means hero. It refers to one who is strong, mighty, and invincible. He alone is worthy to be our hero, for he has defeated all our enemies. Death, sin, Satan, the grave, and hell, all of these have been defeated. He is truly the only true hero, pure hero of the Bible. Um, We look at the scriptures and we see people that we would call heroes, but really none of them are are heroic. In a sense, they all fail. Every single one fails to defeat the enemies and foes that are against humanity. And as great as they become, and even even the, the, the victories that they have, all of their victories are temporary. None of them go beyond their lives. Even the things that they have done were undone after they died, um, undone by other people. The, thing, the enemies that they defeated come back and end up uh, taking up residence again. But can we say this, and we know this, that when Jesus defeated his enemies, none of those enemies can rise back up. None of those enemies can, can defeat him. And in his death, he defeated his enemies And in his resurrection, he proved that he was truly the one who he said that he is. And so he is the true, only true hero of the scriptures. 
as the mighty God. And notice the everlasting Father. He's everlasting. He is the great I am. Your life and my life is tied to his, and so we'll live as long as he lives. And he's alive and will live forevermore. He is our Father, and this word means producer or generator or source. He is our source. He's the source of all that we need. He's the source of all that we need. Truly tonight, there are a lot of counterfeits and there are a lot of, um, of poor replacements for um, Jesus that people accept. But Jesus is truly the source of all goodness, of all love and joy and peace, of the things that we actually need as uh, human beings. He is our source. Um, we may accept poor substitutes, but truly he is the only source of what we need that satisfies. He brought us into being and he sustains our lives by his power. He fulfills his role as our father by loving us, by supporting us, by sustaining us, by comforting us, and by providing for us. He is an everlasting father, a father that is perfect, but a father that never fails and never leaves and never dies. Boy, we, we've had, some of us have had good fathers and some of us have had bad fathers, humanly speaking. Some of us had, have had some experience in between. Some have grown up without fathers, but if you know the Father, the everlasting Father, He is the one that is perfect, is all that we need, and is the great example uh, to all fathers who live on what a true father is. And then He is the Prince of Peace. And so he will rule his kingdom in peace. Notice in verse number 7, the Bible says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so how can he do this? Well, he's the creator and provider of peace And those who know him know all about peace. I'm thankful for the peace of God tonight. I'm thankful that I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the peace of God that uh, is in us tonight through what he has done. What a name, the name of Jesus. The Bible declares to us that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that he is the Lord. Here's a question for you tonight as we finish. Is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your life? Do you know him first as Savior? Do you know him as your Savior? Um, There's only one Savior that can save your soul. There's only one Savior that can save your soul. Um, We look to other Saviors in life, perhaps for happiness, for pleasure, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, But there's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. And I hope that he's your Savior tonight. I hope that you have repented of your sins and believe the gospel tonight. But is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? Um, I would submit to you that he is supposed to be both in our lives, in all of our lives, because that is who he is. And he did not save us so that we could be in control of our lives. He saved us so that we would surrender to his lordship uh, in our lives. And I hope that you've surrendered to him. Uh, sometimes if we're not careful, 
We live as if we are Lord, even if he is truly Lord. And we believe that we have more control than what we actually do. I'm thankful tonight that he's in control. How about you? That he is Lord. He is Lord. And he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I hope that he's your Lord tonight because he surely has proven himself to be worthy of all blessing and honor and glory and power. Be unto him who's on the throne. I'm thankful he's on the throne tonight. How about you? He's in control of all things. And whatever cause you've had to fear in your life, we need only look to Jesus and understand that he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.